to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 63. Today we are going to dive into winners and losers as we always do and then touch on games of the week for next week. We were going to talk about NFL news, but there just kind of wasn't any. And we had the trade deadline. It came. It passed. Nothing too exciting happened. We had Quan Alexander move. We had a few other pieces move, but nothing too crazy. Um, so today we're going to dive right into winners and losers first off. But I want to introduce my co-hosts before we do. I have Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan here with me. How are you guys doing? I'm hurting. <laughs> Just whole, like the, the Niners. Fall- yeah, the whole team is falling apart. So, you know, the NFL draft's almost here. So that's, that's fun. One, one day closer to the draft. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I'm doing uh, not great as well. Uh, the Packers took one under the chin against a 1-5 team. At least you lost to a, a good team. We just lost to the, to the Vikings. And now... I'm feeling a little bit like uh, Buddha Baker being chased down by Cyrus, who's DK Metcalf in these overall records for our, our pickums. He's he's within two games now, so uh, I got to turn on the Jets here a little bit, or I'm going to get snatched from behind. Yeah, I'll take that comp any day, man. DK <laughs> is a beast. Probably, I mean, can we consider him a star at this point? What do you think? Is he a star receiver? I think so. I think so. He, he's he, very very close. <clears throat> he very might close. be playing the best at that receiver position this year so far i think yeah if he can keep this up the whole year then he's he's a star definitely yeah well i am two games behind casey now i was it was further i closed the gap this week i was four and one uh in the podcast picks and then clearly in some other picks i got right that you didn't on on the total amount but i think what are you 74 and 44 and i'm 72 and 46 so yep Catching up to you, buddy. Uh, I know, man. I'm, uh, you know, I just can't gas out at like the ten yard line. You know, <laughs> I gotta finish. I gotta finish. I need Durgan well, to throw me a block or something. Russell Wilson, where's my? What we, what we both need is Durgan to have another week like he did this past week. I think in the podcast Ooh, picks true. from last week, he Not was one good. and four. Um, yeah. So. Then we can First both catch week. up to him. I told you, man. <laughs> hey, I said it last week. I said we're going to reverse this order a little bit towards the end of the season. So we're working <laughs> on that, um, and we'll see. We'll, we'll give you an update next week. Let's let's uh, let's transition here. Let's move on to the winners and losers uh, from last week. We have some interesting ones to talk about. Durgan, we'll start with you. Give us your winner of the mm-hmm. week from last week and why. Yes, my winner of the week are the Buffalo Bills. In order to be the man, you got to beat the man. Rick Flair said that quote. They snap a seven-game losing streak to the Patriots, and have cleared the mental roadblock in their head that they are the inferior uh, team in the division. The Patriots are not good this year. Even Bill Belichick was like, "Yeah, like that's what happens when you go all in on a Super Bowl run," and it worked out for them. But still, knowing that fact that they haven't beaten Sean McDermott, their head coach, has never beaten the Patriots as head coach. So now they have cleared that. Now they're six and two. They're in a good spot. Yes, the, the Dolphins kind of coming out of nowhere, you know, keeping some uh, pressure on them, but this is their division. Uh, they're clearly the best team. They finally got their ground game going. Singletary and Zach Moss and Josh Allen uh, did better rushing than passing. That game was freezing cold, so you can't really uh, fault them too much for the average, I guess, passing numbers. Uh, they did figure out how to play defense because last few years that's been their strength. Now it's kind of their weakness. Uh, they need another cornerback. They had Trey White, but they had Josh Norman for a while on the opposite side who's not good anymore. Uh, had, I guess, two years cashed in, and that was it. Uh, I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders, but this is just one more step 
them moving up the ladder, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not. I've sort of fallen off. I'm dragging behind on the on the Bills bandwagon. I was very high on it early on when Josh Allen was throwing dimes, and then, like Cyrus predicted, you know, the regress to the mean has appeared to be real, uh, and they've struggled in the last couple of games. Like it should not have been 24-21 in that Patriots game with Cam Newton driving down the, the field on the twenty yard line or whatever when he fumbled. Like that that's a game that they should have dominated really from start to finish if you just look at the talent. And then they struggled against the Jets the week prior. Um, so you know it's all not it's not all glowy and, and happy in in Buffalo right now um, as far as you know what what they've put on the field they've won which is is great good for them um, but I, I'm getting a little bit higher on the Miami Dolphins they have the number one scoring defense right now in the league yeah uh, the the, the secondary is playing really well Xavier Howard and, and Byron Jones are playing well. Uh, they were just blitzing the daylights out of the Rams, and the Rams didn't have an answer. Um, so don't sleep on those guys. I wasn't super impressed with Tua. They didn't ask him to do a whole lot in that first start, and that defense yeah. and special teams sort of took mm-hmm. over. But don't sleep on those Dolphins, man. Yeah, I think the Dolphins might secretly be the best team in the AFC East, honestly, at this point. Um, I, I'm, I've always stated it. You guys have known I'm not a big Bills fan. I don't believe in Josh Allen as much as others do. Uh, and he didn't really, I mean, look, Durgan, you say you can't make excuses because of the weather, but I can, I'll make them all day for Josh Allen. I don't think he played well at all. Um, I think that this, this, when you play worse than Cam Newton in a game and Cam Newton, we've said many times, doesn't have it anymore. I mean, what does that say about you as Josh Allen? I don't know. And this team since week four or about then has looked completely different on the offensive side of the ball. They've basically just been anemic stagnant and it's uh it's been kind of unfortunate to see uh if you believed in the bills it's kind of fortunate for me and my takes that they will not be doing well and they're not doing well so that's where i stand on that i mean the bills are still they're still ahead in in the division and and they're winning the games as ugly as they may be i mean it sounds it sounds a little bit like the packers last year where the packers were 13 and 3 but they were winning all these close games they weren't blowing anyone out and uh you know that sort of feels a little bit like the Bills this year. Is they're they're finding ways to win, which you know props yep. to them. It's not always going to be pretty. Um, it's just whether they can sustain that for the whole year. If they drop a couple of these close games in the future, you know, then they're they're in danger a little bit. But yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and dare I say it, this may be. I mean, is this the second worst division in football behind the NFC East? Oh. Uh, uh, I think AFC South is is not great. You got the Colts and no, the Titans, yeah. but I don't know. No, that's, I, that's I would say it is. I say yeah, but you know, there's a very big drop off. Yeah, for sure. The Titans are better than the Bills, so I think at the the nod. I don't. I mean, I don't know. You got two teams that are competitive at the top with the Dolphins and the Bills and the Titans and the Colts. Um, I think most people think that the Titans and Colts are, are better, but I'm not super convinced that they're head and shoulders above both the Dolphins and the Bills. But, you know, no one's as bad as the NFC East. Not even close. Not even close. Fair. Can't really argue with that. Um, <laughs> Casey, let's move on to your winner of the week and run us through who you picked and why. Sure. I've got the Bengals. We're staying in the AFC, and I know Durgan does not like Zach Taylor, but... It's time to give the Bengals a little bit of props. Uh, Burrow obviously helps a lot. Uh, he seems like he's the real deal, and he has more wins than Justin Herbert does this year. Uh, Herbert has has won because uh, they won in, in week one, 
against the Bengals uh, with Tyrod Taylor at the quarterback position. Um, but Burrow's playing well. They just haven't had any primetime games to really get that recognition, and people are sort of forgetting about them and, and Burrow's sort of rookie campaign there. Uh, he has a worse cast around him. That offensive line is is a mess, um, but they were totally in control against the Titans this, this last weekend. Um, Burrow was an, an efficient 250 yards for two touchdowns, no, no turnovers, and the Bengals really have been close in almost every single game this year. Uh, if you look back, uh, they, they had a three-point loss to, to L.A. with that uh, Randy Bullock missed field goal where he said his calf exploded or something but then it was just a cramp or (laughs) something yeah uh then they had a five-point loss to the browns they tied the eagles they had a big lead against the colts and and found a way to lose by by four um and then they lost by three in the last second to the browns and now they have a win against the titans so those are those are all very easily winnable games one score games uh and they're fifth in passing yards right now they have more yards per game than the Browns, the Ravens, the Lions, the Steelers, all teams who you think of having pretty solid offenses. Uh, they're scoring 24 points a game, which is sort of middle of the pack. But considering what they have and the the talent level there, they're sneakily in every game and they're competing. And, uh, you know, I think they're a lot closer than a lot of people realize. And, you know, I, I, I'm not totally sold on Zach Taylor yet, but credit where credit is due that this is a, a an improved team and they're scoring more points burrow obviously helps but uh you know good indicators there and and for potentially zach taylor to stay around it is great that joe burrow is proving that he's number one overall pick he's playing lights out uh playing very well uh like you said he has a terrible offensive line in front of him they might have the worst offensive line in the league but they do have some skill at receivers uh aj green not what he once was, but he's still the guy there. Uh, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Auden Tate, uh, Joe Mixon when he's healthy. Joe Vine Bernard has been playing very well in his absence. So if they can get some offensive line, they can really build uh, for the future. And I'm not a big Zach Taylor guy. I don't like guys who didn't deserve to get head coaching jobs like he did. I mean, he was he was the hire that, oh, yeah, I know Sean McVay. Hire me. So that's how he got the job. Uh, their defense plays better than I think that the talent they have. Uh, they did trade Carlos D- uh, Dunlap. They had Geno Atkins there. So they're they're kind of building something, in my opinion. It just so happens they're in a very tough division. So it might be two or three years before they're actually competitive. But Joe Burrow is 100% the guy. And uh, really excited to see how he continues to get better every week. Yeah, if you're a Bengals fan, you're ecstatic. I mean, this is probably the first reason for optimism in quite some time. Um, not only Joe Burrow, I mean, a lot of other players, like you mentioned, Durgan, and you know, you know, who looks good as T Higgins looks like a good pick. Um, yep. so I'm, I mean, if you're a Bengals fan, the future is bright for sure. And, and the Joe Burrow pick looks like a great pick. You know, I, I mean, most people had him as the consensus number one. Um, there was some questions just around, you know, was he a one hit wonder in college, even though he was setting records and playing like nobody's seen, but, um, you know, he's, he's proving, he's proving that he's a legit franchise QB and, a lot of times it takes some time for QBs to develop, but he looks ready to go right now. And and this Bengals team, I mean, the only team, Casey mentioned it, alluded to it, but the only team that they lost to convincingly was the Ravens, who are a really good team. I mean, there's no denying that. Um, so I, if I'm a Bengals fan, I'm stoked. Even even if we have a losing record and we're probably going to get a top 10 pick again, maybe top 15, 
uh, it's it's the future that is bright, and and I'd be happy as a Bengals fan. Um, let's move on here. I'll give you my winner of the week. This is an interesting one. I don't. I, I kind of struggled. I wasn't 100 percent sure that I wanted to pick them as a winner, but I'm gonna go with the Saints. Um, they have been winning, and they've been winning scrappy. And they basically, I think the motto for their season is that they're escaping with wins. They're basically winning in a fashion that is not easy. Um, but they're doing exactly that. They're winning, and you know they're five and two after twenty six to twenty three win over the, the Chicago Bears on Sunday. Um, and Chicago, I mean, they got a touchdown and a field goal in the final four minutes to force overtime, and the Saints still managed to to pull it out with a huge play from Alvin Kamara followed by a Will Lutz field goal to seal the deal. So that's four in a row for the Saints. Um, you know, each game though has been very close. It's, it's been a one score win in in every single game. Um, three by a field goal and one by six points. So is it sustainable? I, I don't know. And we've touched on this in the past. You know, where's this breaking point on this win streak? I think we'll we'll probably look at it in one of the games of the week, and it could be this week. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I got to pick them as a winner. They're finding ways to win. They're doing it. They're getting it done, even with some of their key players out due to injury. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's been scrappy. It hasn't been easy. And even that said, they're playing some teams that aren't that you know, highly regarded, but they're, they're still finding ways to win. So they're my winner for the week and deservedly. So let's go to the others. Wait, 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 you guys have any thoughts on the same before we, before <laughs> right. we switch? I know uh, you're, I know you have opinions on this. Oh, I was going to agree with you. I mean, they're finding ways to win. Uh, Michael Thomas, if he ever returns, will be a huge boost for them as well. Emmanuel Sanders. I think he's on the COVID list now, but uh, they're in a win now mode, and it doesn't really matter how they win; they have to win, and this is their year. They picked up Quan Alexander. How about that defense? Uh, I've ever seen him play. I don't know if he's going to be a huge difference maker, but he's better than what they have now. So they're going all in. Chips are in. See what happens. Yeah, I, I mean they're not very exciting. I will say that, but they they're they're getting it done, and and props to them. Um, yeah, I, I I think as they get healthier they'll be uh, more scary on offense, but uh, I still don't think they're going to be this top, you know, huge offensive firepower like they have been in the past. Michael Thomas will obviously help, um, and they just keep finding ways to get Alvin Kamara the ball. You would think, you know, a defense knows that's the one guy that can hurt you, and you got to find a way to take him away. You can even fucking double him in the flats. I don't care. Yep. you know Might as and, well. and they and teams haven't been able to do it you know they've been able to scheme ways to to get him out there and get him touches and he has been their offense so uh you know props to sean payton and, and the saints for for finding ways to make it happen and, and keeping him involved in the game uh, i think they're only going to get better as they get healthier yeah absolutely alvin kamara man led the team in rushing and in receptions and receiving yards literally is the offense. And he's, he's uh, I think he might be the most dynamic player in the league at the moment uh, since Christian McCaffrey's mm-hmm. not playing, but he's, he's, he's earning that money that they paid him at this point. Like I know we, we always talk about not overpaying running backs, but he's earning his money just with how valuable he is to this team. Um, let's Agreed. go to the other side of the ball here we got the losers of the week Durgan, who do you have as your loser yes here we go the losers of the week are the ravens and lamar jackson and i want to call myself a winner because we're finally seeing lamar for who he is an extremely athletic quarterback who leans on his team to win him games the blueprint is established for being the ravens yeah start strong and make lamar throw 
Last five games, 54 completion, 54% completion percentage, eight touchdowns, four turnovers. Excuse me, seven turnovers. He had four this past week, LOL. For quarterbacks who have started every game for their team this year, Lamar is dead last in passing yards and second to last in completion percentage. Any of the quarterback, the national media is ripping them apart, questioning their job security, but Lamar is a golden child. And you don't hear anybody talking about it. It's pretty sad, actually. Now they have Ronnie Stanley out, who is, might be the best tackle in the game. He just got paid this week. Uh, it's, it's, that's really unfortunate for him. Pretty nasty injury. He literally broke his ankle. Uh, to wish him well in his recovery. But the burden gets heavier now for Lamar Jackson. Maybe his next four games are not difficult, but they're not easy. Uh, his rep- reputation, in my opinion, is on the line. He has to start performing as a passer ASAP. Uh, the season ends pretty easily, so he'll get all his stats in there, and uh, people will try to come at me saying, oh, look at this, he's having four touchdown games. Yeah, you should be doing that when you're playing the Bengals. So, Lamar Jackson, gotta step it up, man. It's your time now. Got two game, uh, two games to make up in the division, and if they have to go on the road in the playoffs, watch out. They might lose. Well, they lost at home, too, so... Uh, yeah, there you go. I, I think people were very excited about Lamar's passing last year, and rightfully so, because it looked like he took a, a significant step forward in that regard. Um, but I don't think anyone was ever saying he was this elite passer and was winning games with his arm. He was always a guy that was uh, attacking you on the ground uh, and making you play honest defense and finding a way to deal with him in the run game and then also be able to cover and 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 do stuff in the secondary at the same time. Um, and that's the position he puts defenses in. And, um, you know, I think this year he has regressed as a passer and it's still sort of this bugaboo for him of, you know, if, if he has to win a shootout with his arm and the run game isn't totally there, the run game was there against the Steelers. I mean, J.K. Yep. Dobbins went wild over 100 yards. Uh, that's looking like a really good pick for the Ravens. Um, but ultimately, he wasn't able to make enough games in the passing game. And that's still sort of been his his thing that he has to overcome. Is is this the downfall of Lamar, and is he in danger of losing a start? No. I mean, this is still a very, very good Ravens team. And I think it, it, it might almost lean a little bit more on, on Greg Roman, who uh, had a big part in the, the 49ers-Kaepernick era, and then that offense got solved a little bit. So I think it's a little bit of scheme in conjunction with Lamar not playing as well as uh, a passer. Um, so it seems like the, the, the NFL has, has started to catch up a little bit in how to defend. And, you know, we know the formulas get up on the Ravens. That's easier said than, 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 than done with uh, a very good defense and, you know, a very potent run game. I mean, they're built to, to grind games out. And when they get behind, it's tough for them. But it's hard to get up on the Ravens. So, um you know, just goes back to Lamar needing to play a little bit better, a little bit more consistently through the game. And uh, I think a lot of the problems will be solved as as that sort of gets figured out. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not concerned, honestly, like about Lamar Jackson. Is he a top-tier passer? You should no. be. You should We've be. We've established that. I'm not. I'm not. And the reason I'm not is because the Ravens, this is the second game that they've lost this season. And the first game they lost was to Kansas City. This game, they lost to what many consider the best defense in the entire league, which is the Steelers. So I honestly, like, 
do I even need Lamar Jackson to play at the level he played at last year? I don't think I don't think you do. I mean, if if the Ravens defense plays well, if they can get the run game going, I don't think you necessarily need him to be passing at a high level, which I think he did last year. I mean, he won the MVP. He's not too far removed from that. And this team is still winning. And if I'm the Ravens fan, I'm not like I'm not pulling that fire alarm at the moment, like concerned that that Lamar Jackson's lost it. Um, I I think I think we we've yet to see what he's capable of fully. To be honest, I mean he's still very early in his career, and he's one of the most dynamic players we've seen probably since Michael Vick. So I, I'm not concerned. I, I get that you're stoked, Durgan, that he's he's you know had four fumble or four turnovers, three fumble three fumbles actually. Two two of them he lost, one of them he didn't. But um, you know it, it's it's premature I think to write him off, especially when we've seen what he can do. Well. The fact I agree with the fact that the Ravens fans should not be too worried because they have the best roster in the entire league. All Lamar needs to do is run and not turn the ball over. And he's done a great job in his career of not turning the ball over until these last five games. So I'm telling you, fast guys get slower. He has to adapt. His speed will not last forever. I, mean, I don't Michael know Vick. if I agree. Mm. I, mean, I don't he, know if I agree that has, they have the best roster in the NFL. I mean, you're saying they have the best roster. Their their leading receiver in the last game was Willie Sneed. I mean, it's not like they have a yeah. ton at skill. They have a rookie running back. He, he's playing well, but he's a rookie. It's not like they have an Alvin Kamara or a Christian McCaffrey. I mean, we're, we're talking, if you're talking best roster in the league, it's not the Ravens on offense, at least. They so. have a great defense. It's just, it's great, not. Great, it's, great offensive line. Not a, Well, Ronnie Stanley is out, so that hurts him. Uh, Hollywood Brown, he can play. Mark Andrews, great catching tight end. Three very good running backs. And then you're supposedly having the uh, MVP of the league, Lamar Jackson, plus that great defense. I mean, I, I they're a very good roster, but I think it's debatable. I think you can say, you can also say the same thing about the Chiefs and say, like, you know, Mahomes has never had to work without insane weapons. Like, he's always had a ton of speed, really good playmakers at tight end, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, downplaying his success because of that doesn't really make sense. So you can't really downplay Lamar's success because his team is, you know, it's not his fault that the team around him is good. Um, and he doesn't, like, Drew Brees can dump it off to Kamara and Kamara can make shit happen. Uh, Lamar Jackson doesn't really have a running back like that. He has a guy that he can hand it off to, but uh, in the passing game, those guys are a little bit invisible. Uh, and, uh, you know, Mark Andrews is good, but he's been a little bit up and down. Uh, Hollywood Brown had one catch for five yards, three um, yards, and he three yards. Yeah, and he tweeted after the game. He was like, "Why, when you got soldiers and you ain't using them, what's going on?" Uh, so he was not upset. He's not getting the ball more, and they got they just got to find a way to involve those playmakers and make things easier for for Lamar Jackson. It's it's not all on him. It's a little bit of combination of of everything of coordinators and and the types of players that they have. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you're right that they don't have guys who can catch the ball and run for. Mm-hmm. 70 yards like Kamara, but they're not built like that. They're built to smash mouth run. And when you go down, you need to find a way to throw the ball deep. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, comparative to Lamar, Patrick Mahomes is probably the most gifted thrower of the football we've seen in a very long time. So I think if you put him on a team with a bunch of crap around him, he might not be as good as he is, but he's still going to put up numbers. Yeah, I mean, I hear you. I'm just comparing their rosters yeah. and, and the, the way enough. that... That things are going sort of like Aaron Rodgers like Aaron Rodgers had not a not very good game this last week and and uh you know when you only have Devontae Adams and 
uh, not much else there. It's it's hard to produce offense at times. It's it's a it's a, in large part a matchup league, and if you don't have the guys to win a one on one or uh, a jump ball, maybe does Des Bryant helps that a little bit, a possession receiver mm. over the middle. Um, but uh, the Ravens are interesting to me. I don't think they're that that front runner that they were this juggernaut that they were last year. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think the AFC is more open than uh, people expected. They expected, yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, but I will play devil's advocate a little bit here, and I'm not necessarily taking your side there again, so don't get too excited. But um, <laughs> I will say this team, you know, at least from a skill position perspective, is largely the same as last year in terms of the talent that they have. So it is definitely a drop off overall in production, and Lamar Jackson is not playing at the level he played at last year. But I guess the ultimate point is he doesn't necessarily need to be the MVP of the league for this Ravens team to win and be competitive. So with that said, I agree with your take that he is a loser this week just because when anybody has four turnovers in a game that they should be considered a loser. Um, But I also think it speaks volumes that they lost by four points even when turning the ball over four times. So I'm not worried about this team. I think they have some issues that they need to fix, but I think they're all fixable in the immediate Good, yep, yep. good, good to move on. No rebuttals here, Durgan. We're good. <laughs> no, all, all, all good, all good. All right, lovely, lovely. Let's uh, let's go to you, Casey. What do you got going on in loser land? Uh, well, I'm going to talk about another quarterback, Nick Foles, oh. and his job security. Uh, big loser this week, and you know I don't know what the solution is for the Bears, but they've now dropped two in a row. Uh, they've topped 300 yards of offense just once in the last five games with Nick Foles, and the offense is. It's like pulling teeth, man. Every yard is like uh, a, a dog fight, and they're struggling to get first downs. And the defense is like doing everything they possibly can to keep that team in contention, and the offense keeps letting them down. You know, I, I was pretty shocked. It felt like once the Saints went up two scores, you were like, well, there's no way the Bears are ever going to score, you know, 10 points in the last whatever it was, five minutes or so. Um, so it, it, that was kind of amazing to me, but like, I don't know that Trubisky is is the solution. Do you go back to him and see, you know, has he learned anything in the few weeks that he's been off? But it doesn't seem like Foles is the answer there. Um, I don't really have much more to say. You know, you, you gotta you gotta be better on offense when you have Allen Robinson, you have a, an offensive minded head coach in, in Nagy, and uh, it just feels like there's there's not a ton of creativity or easy. Uh, sort of rhythm stuff you know Nick, Nick Foles was eating people alive with RPOs on that Super Bowl run and and there's not a lot of that going on find ways to give your guys success get the ball to your playmakers in space and they just aren't doing a good job of that right now 100% agree I mentioned this in the uh, 2020 midseason mock draft which you can check out right now at weeklyspiral.com uh, Nick Foles is a replacement level player if you need him to start four or five games for you, he can do that and give you a chance to win. But you can't count on him over a long season. I think the Bears' best bet right now is just kind of hold on for dear life, uh, hope that you make the playoffs, and then hope that Foles can turn a magic on. Uh, it's unlikely, but that's your best bet right now because Trubisky, that ship has sailed. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, his confidence, I think, is shot. And it's a shame because this Bears' defense is playing very well. Uh, Allen Robinson, like you said, he's a he's a beast. Uh, as long as they're not fighting on the field, <laughs> I think they have some decent uh, speed guys. Miller yeah. and then the, the knockout artist Wims. Uh, they're both some pretty fast guys that you can get creative with. 
uh, Mike David Montgomery, I don't know if he's any good because they run the same play over and over with him. It's just like, oh, here you go, halfback dive, like yeah. run into the teeth of defense. So I, I don't know if it's Matt Nagy. I don't know if it's Foles. I, I, they have to do something in the quarterback position, and they don't have any cap space. So I'm assuming they're going to draft somebody, but they're going to be drafting probably too low to get an elite guy. So you're kind of stuck, and you got to find something now because with this defense, that window maybe only open another two years, three years. We'll see what happens, though. Yeah, you know, for all the talk that we – listen, I'll start off by saying this. Nick Foles forever will hold – I will hold in high regard <laughs> for what he did for the city of Philadelphia and the Eagles. Um, for those of you listening who don't know, I'm an Eagles fan. But I have said it from the beginning, Nick Foles is an average quarterback who had a little bit of a hot streak coming into the, into the playoffs when he started on the Eagles and, and won that Super Bowl. And then that led to a lot of hype around him, and he's kind of jumped around since then. And, and I think teams have kind of overvalued his talent because of that Super Bowl win, which is totally understandable. And, you know, I'm glad he made some money as a result. But he's not the guy, right? That being said, the Bears are, I think they're a half game out of first place in the NFC North, which if you told, if, you know, if we talked eight games into the season before the season started and you told me the Bears were going to be a half game behind the Packers, I would have said you're insane and you need to be on some sort of medication. But they're there. <laughs> I mean, they're five and three and they're winning some games. I mean, they beat the Bucks. They almost beat the Saints. They've been relatively competitive, and whether you want to say that's the defense or the offense, I mean, Nick Foles has game managed as best he can, and he's you know he hasn't necessarily lost them games in my opinion, and I don't necessarily put all the blame on him for anything that's going wrong with the offense as a whole. So I don't know, like I don't know that his job security is in question. I think the the Bears organization, I think Bears fans have seen enough from Trubisky and there needs to be some sort of stability within this team going forward. And it's hard to bench somebody when you have a winning record and you're barely within grasp of first place. I mean, the Packers losing to the Vikings helps a lot, right? It makes it makes the situation different. I think if the Packers won, then things are you, you may be looking at things different within within the Bears as more of a need to make a change. But at the moment, I think the Bears are in a decent position. I mean, their schedule is not terrible. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that they're in a rush to make a change anytime soon coming off a competitive game against the Saints uh, that they probably should have won. So I'm not sure if it's all on Nick Foles is my point, I guess. I don't think it is. I mean, I think the offensive line is not playing very well. They they were improved going into the, to the season. Um, they were really shaky at the beginning of 2019 and then sort of settled down a little bit, but they're sort of back to their old <laughs> tricks and not playing super well. Uh, David Montgomery is, is good between the tackles. He just doesn't have a lot of burst, not very many explosive plays there. Um, he's got some short area quickness, but he's just not going to break off chunks for you. He's not a, a game-changing guy. They lost Tariq Cohen. Um, but even simple passes, you know, you see Nick Foles bailing in the pocket, backpedaling, throwing as he's falling away, uh, missing easy throws. They're behind or uh, way up in the air, and they're airmailing them. Um, so... You know the the quarterback position we see we saw with the Bengals right how how big of a difference that can make just adding one guy there it makes you know the easy plays easy and makes the hard plays feasible and right now the Bears are making the the easy plays look hard and the hard plays look impossible yeah no I don't disagree necessarily with that I just think they're in an interesting situation like Durgan mentioned where they're For not sure. going to be able to draft the top quarterback. Mm-hmm 
and you kind of, I mean, you traded some assets to get Nick Foles. And now you're stuck in this situation where you have to pick between two mediocre quarterbacks, and they've already made some switches. I don't see them making more switches throughout this season. Um, that uncertainty, I think, will be heavily scrutinized by the fans even more so than the quarterback that they put out there. Sure, I hear you. Let's uh, let's move on to your loser. My loser, I got somebody else whose job security, I think, either is or should potentially be in question, and that is Anthony Lynn, head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers who, if they are good at one thing, it is losing games that they should have won. Um, (laughs) They have done this a disturbing amount under Anthony Lynn, not only this season, but last season. um, And we just had one on Sunday, right? They led 24 to three in the first half um, against the Broncos, who are not that great of a team. And then they led by 10 with less than eight minutes left. And they ended up losing this game. Um, Props to Drew Locke, you know, made some plays, hit KJ Hamler for that touchdown. Um, there was some interesting pass interference called, but, um, anyways, the, the chargers, they're literally, their skill set is kind of boiling down to one thing and it is losing games that they should have won and blowing leads. And that is not what you want to be known for in the national football league. So I think at some point, you know, it, it boils down to coaching, um, in, in tight games and in games where leads are blown and adapting and making decisions throughout the game. Um, I haven't dissected the Chargers games in detail, but I do know that just watching Herbert and watching this team play, they're putting the, the players are putting this team in a position. They're executing. They're playing well. They have all of the numbers and the stats that you would want to see from a team that looks like they're going to win the game and they somehow keep losing. And at some point, the finger needs to be pointed at somebody, and I think it's probably time that the the finger is pointed at Anthony Lynn, um, who clearly isn't a huge fan of Herbert and now is playing him anyways. And, you know, he's he's balling out. I don't think you can blame him. The skill position players look pretty good. So I don't know. If I'm a a Chargers fan, I'm a little bit discouraged, but at the same time, I'm also hopeful, similar to the way the Bengals are, where you're in close games, you got a young guy who's promising, and the future is bright, but potentially not with Anthony Lynn. Here's a stat for you guys. The Chargers have had 38 losses the last five years by less than a touch or by touchdown or less. That is so tough to do. That's insane. It's almost <laughs> impossible. It's almost impossible. I mean, I'm a big Anthony Lynn guy. I like him. I think he's a great leader. But... I just don't know if he's going to be the guy for the future. He's not been overly complimentary of Justin Herbert, who's been playing, like you said, incredibly well. Uh, they just find ways to lose. They're the AFC Falcons. They just find ways to lose games. And maybe it's good losing games, get a better draft position, help you out in the future. But, I mean, this one was really bad. I mean, it was really bad. They had a 99.9% chance to win halfway through the third quarter. That's not good. Not good at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Lynn, Anthony Lynn is a, he's an old school guy. He, he was a running back, um, and he believes in running the ball, and I think that leads to them being a little bit more conservative on offense, maybe in part because he doesn't trust Herbert still, and he, he wants to take the game out of his hands. But ultimately, Herbert is getting them these leads, and then they stop throwing it, and you don't have Austin Eckler. And while their, their running game has been okay, despite that, um, 
you know, keep doing the things that are getting you to these these leads. Like, don't take the foot off the gas because it's clearly bit you in the butt a number of times because Anthony Lynn has been there for a number of years and they continue to lose these close games. Um, you know, you thought uh, maybe that would change when Philip Rivers left, uh, and Philip Rivers has managed to throw some bad interceptions still, and and LA has still managed to lose close games still. So, uh, you know, I think that's all pointing back to him and you eventually got to make a change yep for sure that's going to wrap things up for the winners and losers portion of the podcast let's preview the games for week nine and some of the games that we think are going to be the best games of the week um we'll start with two of our podcasters here have teams (laughs) playing so i think it's more fitting that we start with this one and have a a fun little discussion around around it um, I think this this is the Thursday night game. We got the Packers yep. at 49ers. Durgan, we'll start with you. I know you're feeling a lot of emotions, a lot of mixed feelings yeah. about this, and just <laughs> yeah. uh, in general football as a whole at the moment. So I'll uh, <laughs> I'll give you the floor and take it away, my uh, man. Yeah, I mean I'm, I'm assuming this game's gonna happen. Uh, AJ Dillon on the COVID list and two other uh, Packers players on the COVID list. Hopefully this game does happen. Hopefully there's no widespread because that'd be a lot more issues uh, for the league and for both these teams. But I got Packers winning 31-21. Uh, the Niners had Jimmy G and Kittle and Debo playing. I would probably pick them to win. But they, they just don't have the guys right now. Uh, Packers' run defense sucks. But Jermichael Hasty and Jerick McKinnon don't push the needle in terms of being effective. Uh, Niners' defense, I mean, they, for the first half, didn't play that bad against the Seahawks. I mean, DK Metcalf killed them, which is, is what it is. I mean, he just bullied them for the most part. So I think that the defense in the first half can keep them close. But Nick Mullins, we've seen, just isn't the guy. Um, so I think eventually the Packers will run away with this game. 10-point uh, win. Uh, and we didn't mention this earlier because we took it off because I don't want to talk too long about this. But I think we may have seen the last game at the start of Jimmy G in Niners uniform. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back next year and they try to bring a veteran or someone else compete with him. But this is a second season-ending injury in three years. Uh, he's not getting any better, and this team needs to win now. So they got to find somebody. Um, I, I think he might come back on a pay cut, and they might sign a guy like Mitch Trubisky. God, that'd be terrible. I'd be pissed off. But <laughs> you, need, you need some sort of competition there. I don't think they draft a guy uh, unless they get a Matt Ryan or a Dak Prescott. There's not many big-name guys left. But... Um, at this point last year, I was feeling a lot better about the Niners. Let's just say that. Well, your roster is relatively the same. We talked about it in the offseason that the, the 49ers roster, they, they lost like no no people. They were returning all their coaches. Um, so I don't think you should mm-hmm. be too doom and gloom here. I mean, Jimmy G is a guy that brought you to the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, uh, We're not that far removed. You guys have a ton of injuries. Um, so you don't look like the same team, obviously. But I think you know next year when you get healthy um, – you'll be just fine and you'll have another high draft pick you know kinlaw will be in year two uh etc etc Ayuk will be a number two debo will be playing well still have kittle you're still set up for a lot of success all that being said um i still don't even feel very confident the packers are going to win i think it's going to be a lot closer than people probably think uh given all the injuries uh, the 49ers are on about their fifth running back, and the Packers look to be headed that same direction. Uh, <laughs> as you mentioned, A.J. Dillon uh, had tested positive 
for COVID, and he was in close contact with the Packers' starting linebacker, Kamal Martin, and our starting running back as of right now, Jamal Williams. So both of those guys are also out. So we're missing our number one linebacker and our what was our number one um, running back, Aaron Jones is nursing a calf injury. There's no update on whether he's going to play. So that could be the top three running backs for the Packers out, which means uh, Swervin Irvin, Tyler Irvin for the Packers, may be starting at uh, at running back or Dexter Williams, who is on our practice squad, is going to be starting. So um, Packers also have an injury at left tackle with David Bakhtiari. If he's still out and we're using, you know, scat backs as our, our running backs, I think pass protection might be an issue. Um, the, the 49ers really gave Rodgers a lot to think about last year. Uh, they played very disciplined defense, and it seems to be the formula. I know the Niners don't do it a ton, but um, given Aaron Rodgers' two high looks and uh, just making him sit in the pocket and make throws on time uh, has sort of been his Achilles heel. He, he sort of likes to create and, and push things downfield. And right now we only have Devontae Adams. Other people aren't getting open. Um, so I think this game is going to be a little bit closer. The Packers are not playing super well right now. As you mentioned, the run defense really struggled. The run fits up front with the front front four. Zadarius Smith, Kenny Clark... Uh, Preston Smith, all those guys have not been playing very well this year. So it doesn't really matter who's at the linebacker position because we're fitting poorly in, in uh, the front four. Um, I think the Packers are, are still going to be able to eke out a win, but I think it's going to be 27 to 21. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's even closer. Um, like you said, though, if Jimmy G or Kittle or Debo were playing, I, I think the 49ers would be able to yep. pull this out. Yeah, you guys are both very pessimistic fans of your teams. Just just realistic. throwing that out there. Realistic. Realistic, sure. I mean, I, I get it, right? There's a ton of injuries on the Niners, and, and it's just unfortunate. Um, I, 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 if anybody understands your pain, it is me, the Eagles yeah. fan on this podcast, for sure. But that being said, you know, I think what the Niners like to do matches up well with what the Packers suck at doing, which is defending the run. So I will. I could easily see some random running back, probably Hasty, busting for a hundred yards in the game, if not more, and surprising a lot of people, being the waiver wire pickup of the week in fantasy. Blah blah blah, all that stuff. Um, maybe we even see some Jarek McKinnon, some some sign of life from him that he exists on this team. Uh, I don't know, but I think the running game will still be a factor, uh, and it kind of has to be if the Niners want to have any chance at all of keeping this game competitive. That being said, I would be an absolutely insane person to ever pick a backup quarterback over Aaron Rodgers, regardless of who Aaron Rodgers has on his team. Quarterback is the most important position in all of sports, and Aaron Rodgers is one of the best to ever do it at that position. So you will never catch me picking Nick Mullins, no matter what team he has around him, over uh, Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to pick the Packers. I don't think this is actually going to be that close. I think the Niners will do some things on the ground, but I don't think they'll be able to keep up with, with uh, Rodgers. Hoping for a big Devontae Adams game. No particular reason. Maybe fantasy. I don't know. Um, but I'm going to say Packers 34, Niners 20. And it's unfortunate because it really would have been a fun matchup to see both these teams at full strength just based on what happened last year. It was not what we had anticipated. The, the Packers kind of got embarrassed a little bit. by it. That, that was a different Niners defense back in, in, in uh, last year's team. But um, it would have been a fun matchup if both of these teams were at full strength. So, unfortunately, we won't see that. But I think in the current situation, I'm still comfortable taking the Packers. Let's move on to our Smart next man. game. 
We got Seattle at the Buffalo Bills. Durgan. Yes, I'm going to go with the upset, I guess. Uh, Buffalo 35, Seattle 31. Uh, it's going to be a shootout. I checked the weather in Buffalo. Uh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be high 60s so and none of that crappy weather we saw last week. Um, Bills started out hot, like you mentioned, the first four weeks. Have cooled off a bit, and I think they'll kind of go back to their old form. Seattle's defense is not very good. Uh, they're not playing the Niners. They're not playing one-legged Jimmy Garoppolo. They're not playing Nick Mullins anymore. They're playing Josh Allen. Uh, Trey White defensively needs to shadow DK Metcalf. If you're going to be paid to be one of the top corners in the league, you have to shut down the guy across from you who's right now playing as good as any receiver uh, in the league. And the Seahawks have weapons to beat you besides Metcalf. They have Lockett. Uh, they have like a bazillion tight ends they can throw to. But make them do it. Make that happen. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, like I mentioned. But uh, Josh Allen pulls out the win at the very end. Yeah, I I think the Bills have been looking shaky for a couple weeks now, like we talked about a little bit earlier. And the defense hasn't been playing well. And there's really not a, a huge excuse. I know that there's not a ton of talent in, in the front. Um, but you have Trey White, you have Micah Hyde, you have Jordan Poyer in the back end. Like Those are all really elite guys. And um, they're going to need them against Seattle. And um, the way they have been playing, I, I don't have faith that they're going to be able to stop either Lockett or DK Metcalf. They don't think they'll be able to stop both. Um, like even when we, we watched you know, the, the Arizona-Seattle game, uh, Patrick Peterson was able to take away DK Metcalf. He had like one catch, but then you know Lockett went and got 200 yards and three touchdowns or something like that. So uh, the Seahawks are mortal, but I think they're playing better football than the Bills are right now. And the defense came to play a little bit against the 49ers. I don't know if that was just because it was a, a division game, but they s- seem to sort of have woken up a little bit and uh, put things together at least on some level. It's definitely a different test, though, here against the, the Bills. But I'm taking Seattle 31-22. to Yeah, I'm going to echo a little bit about a little bit what Casey, what Casey uh, just mentioned, but the Bills are not the same Bills team that we saw early in the season, and I really don't think they stand a chance against a Seattle team that I think has kind of found their groove um, and is maybe the team to beat in the NFC. I mean, it's either them or the Packers, but if the Packers are a little unhealthy, then I think it's Seattle, to be honest. And Russell Wilson, you know, we we said maybe he's not in the MVP conversation. He came out and said, no, I am in the MVP conversation. So uh, I I think this team's going to be extremely difficult to beat. I I mean, I would have said the Niners last week before a few key injuries were a better team than this Bills team. And I don't see uh, they, they handled the Niners. So I don't see how the Bills really stand a chance here. Uh, that being said, I'm slightly biased. I'm not a big Bills fan. I don't really believe in this team, but I think this. I think the Seahawks take this. I'm going to say 30 to 17. Let's move on to our next game. We got the Ravens at the Colts. Durgan, your favorite team Another, is playing the yes. Colts. Yes. <laughs> Another upset special. I'm going Colts 28, Ravens 27. The preseason, I had the Colts beating the Ravens in the playoffs. Don't know about that one anymore, but I got to stick my gut here. Uh, Colts are. Third in uh, fewest yards allowed and 10th in fewest points allowed defensively. They're a bit hot and cold, but overall they're still above average defense. I think they'll be really aggressive stopping the run. Darius Leonard, one of the best linebackers in the league, he'll be shadowing Lamar Jackson, I think. They also average more than a turnover a game, and they're fourth in turnover uh, margin. 
So they're in a team that's not going to turn the ball over, but will pressure you to the point where you're going to get the ball up. Uh, won't beat themselves. Stanley, that, that loss is going to be really, really hurt Lamar Jackson. The Colts haven't beaten anybody yet, but all it takes is one, and they're at home. I, they're a little scared that the Ravens need to have a little bounce back. So uh, I'm not too confident in this pick, but why not be something a little different? Okay, well, uh, just like Durgan hates Lamar Jackson, I hate Phillip Rivers. So uh, on the flip <laughs> end of that, I'm going to go with the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens' defense is, I think, maybe even better than the the Steelers' defense right now. I mean, you think about all the turnovers that that defense had to sustain from their offense against the the Steelers, and they were still able to hold the the Steelers on short fields to only 28 points. Um, I don't think Philip Rivers has a ton of zip in his arm anymore, and uh, Jonathan Taylor has been playing okay, but uh, hasn't really had you know a, an a, exceptional game Naheem Hines is fine as a passing back and you know I really like Frank Reich but I just don't I don't see how the Colts are going to score enough points and uh for that reason I, I got to take the, the Ravens 20 to 10. Yeah I I feel like we're picking the same this week Casey which is unfortunate because I want to <laughs> catch up to you but I got to take the Ravens in this one too you know we touched on it so I won't go into too too much detail because we already kind of talked about the Ravens um, quite a bit but, I mean, even though Lamar has been consist- inconsistent this year, the Ravens are still one of the most complete teams in this league. Um, you know, I, it could be an upset, right? I mean, this Colts team is solid, and I, I, I don't hate Phillip Rivers to the same degree you do. I think he's fell, fallen off quite a bit um, from what he used to be. But I, if it would, take, it would take another four turnover game from Lamar Jackson for the Colts to win this game, I think. And I don't necessarily see that happening. So I'm going to go Ravens 28, Colts 17. Let's move on to the next game. I think this is probably, this is the most interesting matchup of the week. There's some implications, uh, playoff potential playoff implications. And just in general, I think this is an exciting matchup of two great quarterbacks um, in this league. we got the Saints at the Bucks. They're going to take it away, my man. First off, I'm going to say that I'm getting incredibly annoyed by the ESPN updates that Breeze and Brady keep flip-flopping for most punch, uh, most pass touchdowns in NFL history. <laughs> it's like, okay, they're both playing. Like That's going to happen every week. So stop that, ESPN, please. Uh, but I got Bucks 38-28. Bucks are terrible against the Giants on uh, Monday Night Football. Should have lost that game, to be honest. But they lost to the Saints week one. Kind of embarrassed, actually. And the Saints, they're winning, but they're not you know, putting the beat down on people. Uh, Brees historically struggles outside of domes, and the weather in Tampa will be wet and muggy. Uh, Antonio Brown will make his debut for the Bucks. I don't know how much he's going to play or how he's going to look, but it's be something to watch out for. Uh, Bucks defense, pretty legit playmakers at every level. In week one, they shut down Kamara to 16 yards on 12 carries. I know Kamara can beat you by catching the ball as well, but if you can shut him down, Michael Thomas may or may not play. Who knows at this point? Uh, but it's a statement game for the Bucks. I think they'll put the foot on the gas and won't let go. Yeah, I'm taking the Bucks as well. Uh, you know, credit to the Saints for finding ways to win. But that Bucks defensive line in front uh, is the best rush defense in the league. And I, I, I think it was at least a, a week ago when I was looking, they were averaging like 60 yards per game they were giving up on the ground, which is kind of insane. So if Kamara can't get going, they they just don't have that many weapons. The, the Saints don't, and uh, I think it'll it'll go 
you know, sort of opposite of how it did in week one. Uh, Brady threw a pick six, and that had a big uh, impact on the game and uh, was still learning that offense, but he seems to have figured out for the most part. They didn't play a very clean game against the Giants on Monday night. Um, if Daniel Jones was a competent quarterback, you know, I think the, the Giants would have won that. Um, but I think the Bucks are just more complete. And, uh, you know, being at home, they're going to have fans because it's Florida. Uh, I got to give the, the edge to the Bucks 31 to 20 over the Saints. Yeah, I think I agree. I, I This is going to be a really exciting game, though. I think there's a lot of um, implications, as I mentioned here, for uh, the NFC and also the division. But the Saints, I mean, yes, they've won four in a row, and they were my winner for the week. But let's take a look just at the four teams that they've beaten. Um, it was Chicago this past week, it was Carolina, they beat the Chargers, and then they beat Detroit. None, in my opinion, are any sort of top-tier competition, right? Um so yes, they beat, they won four in a row, barely. I mean, every single one of these games was a one-score win. Um, they're just not doing anything right now to convince me that they can compete with the Bucks. Yes, they beat the Bucks week one, but that was also a different team from a health perspective. Um, and I think the Bucks at this point just have more of their available players, and they're kind of getting a groove a little bit. It was a little rocky to start, which we predicted. But at this point, I think the Bucks take this. I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be fun to watch. But I think the Bucks, thirty to twenty-seven, get the win. Alrighty, we got our most anticipated game of the week: the Toilet Bowl. We have Houston at Jacksonville. This is going to be a real stinker. What do you guys think? <laughs> well, uh, Jake Lutton, uh, rookie quarterback, sixth-round pick from Oregon State, making his debut as Gardner Minshew is out with injury. I actually think. Ludden might be an okay player in the future as a backup. Uh, he's big, has a strong arm, not too accurate. He's also playing Texans defense, which helps him a lot. So I don't think he's going to be terrible. Won't be good, but won't be terrible. Uh, ultimately, Watson, too much. He'll take over the game. I got 27-21 Houston, and I hope Justin Fields enjoys the weather in Jacksonville. Yeah, no Gardner Minshew, an absolutely atrocious defense, and no chance for the Jaguars, I think. Uh, the Texans have been playing super hard, even in these losses. I know J.J. Watt has shown up to a few pressers, like, livid and pissed and given, like, one-word answers to, to questions, and uh, Deshaun Watson's still there. The Packers, unfortunately, did not, you know, make a trade for Will Fuller, so he's still there, too. And Kenny Stills is still there. Randall Cobb has played pretty well. Um, so I just think that the Texans have too much fire power and that Jaguars defense isn't good enough to, to keep them in the game. I'm taking the Texans 35 to 17. Yep. And don't forget about David Johnson. I don't know if you mentioned him or not. I didn't hear it, but well, um, I intentionally did not mention him because, <laughs> Hey, he's been playing he's, solid. He's been playing solid. Is he Deandre Hopkins? No, but he's been playing solid. Anyway, <laughs> you got to pick the Texans in this game. I mean, you guys covered all the reasons, right? Even with Gardner Minshew, I think the Texans still have an advantage, but uh, without him, I just don't see the Jaguars standing a chance. So I'm going to go Texans 30 to 14. Um, take this game easily. Alrighty, that is going to wrap things up here on episode 63 of the Weekly Spiral. Thank you for sticking with us and tuning in as usual. Before we wrap things up, I want to give my co-hosts a quick chance to plug some of their content for you to check out. Casey, you have anything coming up that you want to let the listeners know about? I do, since I, I know you guys are big Drew Locke fanboys, so I, I fi finally decided to, to 
you know, ride his little hype here on his comeback against the Chargers uh, and, and do a breakdown on him and, and see what's up. So if you're interested in seeing if he's like a franchise quarterback or not, I know he's only played nine full games, but he's, uh, you know, a little bit up and down. It's a, it's a wild ride with Drew Locke. Um, and then maybe I'll be able to get another breakdown out on Tua's first game and, and sort of take a quick look at what the, the Dolphins asked of him and how he did. Nice. Both sound super exciting. Durgan, what about you, man? Uh, mock draft already up. So check that out. Sweet. Sweet. Love me some mock drafts. This has <laughs> been draft a season. weekly spiral production, bringing you fresh football every week. We greatly appreciate you tuning in. Please check us out on our website, weeklyspiral.com. You can find all our social handles by searching weekly spiral, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you may be looking. And we will see you next week for episode 64. 